Before you sit down, let's read uh, the scripture. We'll be reading from uh, Deuteronomy 10, from 17 to 22. For the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is the one you praise. He is your God. Who performed, for those, who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all, and now the Lord your God has made you numerous as the stars in the sky. Please take your seat. My name is Innocent Magambi. I've been a member of this church for about two years now. And um, I was born a refugee. My parents ran away from Burundi in 1972 and went into DRC where I was born. When I was 13 years old, I went to Burundi for the first time, hoping to live in a place that was supposed to be home. But three months later, the war started in Congo and I was on the, on the run. But before that happened, there was an attack in my village and I was almost killed. I remember it vividly. And I made the promise to God that I'll tell the story, and that's why in 2016, I was able to write my story. It's called Refugee for Life, and the subtitle is My Journey Across Africa to Find a Place Called Home. Went back to Congo, three years later, the war in Congo started, and I was on the run. This time I was alone. I went to Tanzania, I spent a year and a half in Zambia in the refugee, in the refugee camp called Meheba, very, very far from home. In the early, year, uh, early months, I did not know what had happened to my siblings and my, my parents, and I had to make a living over there. I did not know English because we relied on French, Swahili, and other languages that we spoke in the Congo. But in Zambia, I had to learn English in a difficult way. Someone gave me his blanket to go and sell for him, but I needed the language to use. 
So I went to a friend, a Congolese friend who had learned English because back in the Congo, when the English subject came, we just made noise so that the teacher can kick us out in his, from his class. And that would be a free time for us to go and play and fish. But this time I was facing the reality I needed to, you know, to learn some English and not avoid it. So I saw the blanket, I learned English. I saw the spoons, I learned some English. And to them, communicating in English. Praise the Lord. Eventually, I got to know that my siblings uh, had moved from, Cong from Congo to Tanzania, so I joined them. And um, I learned quite a lot. I learned that my mom had died, and I learned that several people died in my village um, soon after I left. It was happy and sad at the same time, but it was good to be among my family. So I stayed in Tanzania for five years until it was becoming difficult for me to live there because the rebels from Burundi would cross into the refugee camp to recruit young people to take to the front line. And I thought, I'm meant to fight injustice, but not through the guns. And that's how I came to Malawi in 2003, 20 years ago. When you ask me, where is home? Malawi is home, and Zaleka is my village. When I was in Zaleka, Capital City Baptist Church came to Zaleka to look for opportunities to help. I met the pastor. At that time, it was Pastor Henry Joseph, who is from uh, Mississippi. He was pastoring the church there. So he took me, and the church invested in me, and they sent me to Assemblies of God School of Theology. And when I was in my class, God spoke to me to start a ministry that will support refugees, but also the local communities. And that's how I started There Is Hope, which I ran for 15 years until 2021. And uh, I stepped down because I had been building a team that would take over from me. And God was calling me to the similar ministry, but in a different way. And now I'm leading an organization called Inua Advocacy, where the only thing we do is to defend the rights of refugees in Malawi. I was approached by a pastor to come and share in this series of who are you looking for? And today the topic is, what are refugees looking for? Hallelujah. And this is one of the difficult moments in Malawi to talk about the issues affecting refugees because whether you came into the country yesterday or you have been here for some time, you know what is happening uh, around the refugees. It's up, sometimes it can be surprising, but uh, if you are aware of issues affecting refugees, you know that this is not new. It has happened before elsewhere but it's just because it's happening in our face. One thing that I really like about Flood Church is you guys are aware of what is happening around you and you get involved. This is really, really, really an amazing spirit, an amazing attitude that 
each church in this world should have. Because there are people who just close themselves and they ignore everything else, but not this church. When the floods, you know, happen and um, displace thousands of people in the south, the church gets involved. It's as if it's us and we get involved. Even when the relocation of refugees was happening and hundreds of refugees were taken to Maula, the church stood up. You guys helped us. We worked together to cook meals, to feed the people in the prison. The first two times we were cooking outside there and the members were involved giving money. I'm really grateful for that. Another thing that I'm so grateful for this church is the understanding that yes, you can be close to Jesus. You can be a believer but still go through some struggles and you, don't be, you are not afraid or ashamed to talk about mental health, to talk about problems that people struggle with. They don't like them, but they want to get rid of them and we have heard several testimonies. And the fact that the leadership really enforce, like, encourages people to seek therapy at the same time seeking prayer, that is really, really good. For people who have gone through a lot of trauma, it's really helpful to know that the church does not, you know, get rid of those who, you know, confess to have gone through some tough time, but they are embraced, they are loved, they are cared for, and there are even therapy that can be referred to to go and support them. So thank you so much, Flat Church, for everything that you are doing. Now, without wasting much of your time, I just want to kind of explain a little bit about the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is a story where Moses, who have been leading the people of Israel for over 40 years, is getting towards the end of his leadership. It's time to pass his leadership to a young person, a soldier, who will now take over to lead the people of Israel uh, for the next step. Not only this was almost the end of his leadership, it was also towards the end of his life because we know that he did not go into the promised land. God got him to go up the mountain. He saw the land, but he never went into it. So this, in the Deuteronomy, he is kind of recapping everything and he's saying his goodbyes, he's saying some prayers and he's letting go. On the other side of the Israelites, they are facing the end of their founder. The man they have known as their leader will soon stop leading them. And they, did, they didn't know the style of leadership that the next leader will have. They were quite anxious. Like if you have only known one president or one leader to think of losing them and now you are getting them, you want, like you are anxious. Not only that, they were facing the end of their refugee journey. 
a life that they have known all this time. And now they are going into a new era where they need to step in the promised land. And the end of the refugee journey for them was end of God's provision of food. The moment they started harvesting, that was the end of getting free meals from God. I believe Joshua as well was anxious because he was taking over from the big man, the man who led the Israelites for all those years in difficult circumstances. I believe he was thinking, we lie much with the leadership of my, my boss. How will people respond to my leadership with my style fit? So all this is discussed in the book of Deuteronomy. That's the kind of mindset, what was going on. Moses is telling the people, reminding them the journey, asking them to pray and worship Yahweh and observe the laws because those were the conditions to take over the land and maintain it. But he is also telling them just in case, it's not just a matter of when or if, but when you guys get to mess up and the church or the congregation loses focus on God and you are taken into captivity, remember, with the repentance, you can go back and possess, possess the land. He prayed over them, he sang a song, and eventually they parted ways. Moses went back to the mountain where he, he died, and the Israelite crossed. So these six verses that we just read, they are part of the bigger picture of this conversation that Moses and the Israelites were having. So I tried to group these six verses uh, into a group of two, just to make sure that we, um, we have a few conversations um, that are quite concise uh, around this so that we can really get a full picture because to get the whole understanding of what was happening here, you need to read all 34 chapters. But here we have only six uh, verses to go through. Now, the first two uh, verses that are put together, it's uh, verse 17 and verse 20. And if I can give those a title, I would say that God will not fight for you in the wilderness to then let you perish in your promised land. God will not fight for you in the wilderness to see you perish in your promised land. Verse 17 reads, For the Lord your God is God, and God of Lord and, and the, sorry, for the Lord your God is God, of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Verse 20. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. So here Moses is emphasizing that the God that chose you 
the God that has been with you, the God that fought for you, is an amazing God. He's a great God. He is the Lord of Lords. He is awesome. He cannot be bribed for you to face calamities. Nobody would come to God and say, hey, I'll give you this. Please harm her. That's not the God that called you, who has been journeying with you. And every time you make an oath, it was like in the culture, even in my culture, Burundian culture, to say the truth, it's not enough. You need to make an oath. And sometimes you say, may my head be cut off. What I've said is the truth. And if you are not a believer, you may even go to the other side. But here Moses is saying, if you have to take an oath, use the name of God, the one who cannot be corrupted, the one who loves you and fear him. In my mind, he was just trying to emphasize that all this time he has been with you. And don't be afraid of the next step. You know, believers, we know that God is good. We know that heaven is good. But very few people face death with a smile. Even if we know that we are going to heaven. Like there's that kind of anxiety about the thing that we don't know very well. The thing that we have not lived in. But here, Moses is saying, he will keep you. He will guide you. He is an amazing. He is above all gods that you may hear, you may see, all that have power. And this is the God who has been with you and will continue to be with you. The next set of two that verses that I have put together have titled them, God will never ask you to do what he does not practice. It's impossible for God to tell us to do something that he has never done or has never shown. And these are the verses, verses 18 and verses 19. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widows and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And here it is a command. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Praise the Lord. God will never tell us to do something that he has not practiced. Verse 18, he shows the practice of his love towards foreigners among you. He does not just say it. He shows it. He gives them gifts. He gives them food, which to me means strength to remain alive and to stay hopeful. He gives them clothes. When I look back in Genesis, the first time that God 
gave human beings clothes, they were naked. They were ashamed. And what did he do? He killed a lamb, got the skin, and clothed them. And this is the God who says, he clothes foreigners among you. He keeps, he covers them from, from shame, and he gives them dignity. Hallelujah. It's hard for me to talk about these things on behalf of God because I'm standing here on behalf of God. There is a fight between me representing God here and me representing my organization that always, always tries to fight for the justice of refugees. On the 17th of May, I woke up in the morning, I checked my phone and there were over 100 messages and phone calls. I was like, what has happened? When I checked, people were calling, people were messaging from all over, telling me what has happened to them. I shook. I asked my wife, what do I do? How? Like, what? People are being arrested in different corners. And the best thing I could do was to go to the Maula prison and to talk with authorities because every police, every immigration that I tried to talk to, they were like, it's not us. After meeting the police and the immigration and I got to understand what was happening and it was beyond what I can stop. I spoke to Pastor Humphreys and he asked me, what do we do? I said, we pray but also we feed the people. So we organized food for over 320 and we got access into the prison. UNHCR and other organizations had no access, but God opened the doors for us to have that access. The following day, we had over 470. And ever since, we have been hearing what has happened. Many, many women have been raped in the process. Many have lost their properties. Many have been beaten. And sometimes you listen to the stories, you cry with the ones that are telling you the stories, but you pray and you ask God to provide the food because he said, I am the God who provides food to the foreigners among you. I'm the one who gives them clothes, cover their shame, Give them warmth. And you have been part of what God is doing. Hallelujah. And the third group of verses, I have entitled them, Your present makes sense 
when seen as peace, as a piece of God's bigger plan or God's bigger picture. Verse 22 and verse 21. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Verse 21. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. If you check carefully in what we have read, Moses is using the past and the present to encourage these people for what is to come. Your ancestors in the past, they left and came to Egypt when they were 70. But look at who you are now. You are thousands. Some commentators say that Moses was leading about 6 million Jewish, uh, Jewish at that time. And then like, he goes back and forth to encourage them for what is to come. And when I was reading these verses, it just encourages me to know that my existence is just not a simple existence. It is part, like it's like a piece of the puzzle that God is building. Those 70, when they left, they thought we are just individuals. Let's go where there's food. They never knew that they were part of the bigger plan and so, Moses here was encouraging these people to say, don't lose sight. Don't be discouraged because don't just think that you live for yourself. No. You live to impact thousands of lives in one way or another. You live to be part of what God is doing without you in the puzzle. The puzzle will not be completed. And therefore, you matter before the Lord, the God who loves the foreigners, the Lord who has kept you this far. So sometimes we get discouraged and feel like, who are we? You know, it's better to end our lives, but we forget that, no, we are part of the bigger plan. And your life, my life, they matter. My first child was born with severe brain malformation. When I thought I had done my part of suffering, you know, from my childhood and growing up and being a refugee in four, refugee, uh, five refugee camps in four countries, I thought I had done my part of suffering, but when our first child was born, she couldn't eat, she couldn't sleep. The longest she could sleep at night would be for hours. She died after 20 months. And by the time she died, we had a schedule of giving her medicine and there were 17 different doses 
per day. Can you imagine? 17, like, we had an alarm that rang, went off almost every time to remind us to give her this type of medicine, this type of medicine, this type of medicine. 17. And when she died, I thought, God, when I was praying for my wife, I saw a picture of a, a daughter, a girl. She was beautiful. She smiled at me. As I was getting closer in my dream to see who does she look like so that I can determine who will be the mother, the person who had the baby went backward. I couldn't see. By the time I woke up, I was almost falling off the bed. And every time I asked God, why are you playing these games? Like, I'm asking you for my wife. You are showing me a girl. And the voice said, this is your first child. So when I met my wife, I knew that the first child would be a girl and she'll be beautiful. And we called her Mwiza. But when she was born with cleft lip and palate, there was no beauty. But after three surgeries, that beauty came. And when I was hoping that God would touch and heal her, she died. In my face, I watched her dying. But out of that, yes, it was painful, but today, her life is causing few people find accommodation, find food. By, because my wife started making small gifts and, and now the company is called Kibebe, employs many women. There are people who have dignity because her life, her short life, opened our eyes to know the life of disability. She's gone, but the legacy still lives. So we are part of what God is doing, God's plan. And we have no reason to give up because God did not create us just to fit in the puzzle but to make it complete and beautiful. As I conclude, I want to remind each one of us that God loves us. God is still in the business of fighting for us. And he will never, he will never, he will never forsake us. God loves the strangers. He asks us to love them, clothe them, feed them. And he's not asking us to do something that he has never done. And God cares for each one of our lives because his vision is incomplete without us. He will always 
always uses and we have no reason to, to give up. Let's stand as the worship team gives us the last song and we'll pray together.